0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to Armchair Expert. I'm Dax Randall-Shepard. Monica Lilly Padman, our pride and joy here at the Armchair Expert podcast. Oh my God. Before we talk about Jonathan Tucker, who I just love and who's our guest today, I just want to let everyone know that in light of our Spotify announcement, which we're so excited about, I just want to make it very, very clear. Yes. It is free, girls. Free. Girl, girl, girl. It's free. free. It's the same price it has always been. And it's going to be the same show. And it's free. And the interface is awesome. There's no downside.
1: Yeah. And there's no change. Like it's still just us three in this attic doing literally the exact same thing. And the
0: ads that you'll hear are the same ads we always do in our show. They'll be in our show. They'll be us. You won't be listening to extra ads. It'll be our show. So it's all gravy. it's the
1: matter of clicking one icon
0: or another or another icon
1: that's the difference we're really excited
0: we're really excited and we're really excited about jonathan tucker jonathan tucker is one of my bros i love him i adore him he was on parenthood he was a friend of Kristen's, and that's how i knew him and then i liked him as a bro but then i saw kingdom and he is just revolutionary in that role he's so good it's crazy
1: He plays a politician on Parenthood, just so if people want to make that connection.
0: He was also in Westworld, City on a Hill, Charlie's Angels, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And currently he's on the NBC sci-fi series Debris, spelled Debris, famously. I always say Debris, but it's actually Debris. So check out Jonathan Tucker, my bro, and now Monica's bro. We are supported by Sleep number, sleep number, mm. my bed I sleep on every night. You do. Now, why choose proven quality sleep from sleep number? Because a good night's rest helps boost immunity, improve recovery, and increase energy. You'll notice that I both have really great energy right now, fully recovered from my most previous workout. Yeah. And my immunity's off the charts. Oh my God, you're so healthy. I attribute it to my amazing sleep score, IQ of 92. Wow,
1: that's pretty good.
0: If people get enough quality sleep, have more energy, better muscle mass, and improve muscle memory. Good quality sleep positively affects emotional well-being for a greater sense of calm, happiness, and balance. During the second half of the night, rapid eye movement, REM, is dominant. Taking care of the brain, which includes improved problem-solving, creativity, and memory skills. Sleep helps us recover faster from exercise, injury, and illness. Deep sleep decreases anxiety overnight by reorganizing connections in the brain. REM sleep is essential for many of brain's cognitive and emotional functions. Since most of it happens during the second half of the night, it's important to get seven to nine hours of sleep. Discover proven quality sleep. Save $1,000 on the new Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed during the Memorial Day sale. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash Dax. We are supported by BetterHelp Online Therapy. In May's Mental Health Awareness Month and throughout June, Armchair Expert is proud to join the cause of destigmatizing therapy. We both are in therapy. We love therapy.
1: We love therapy. I had therapy yesterday in my car.
0: Do you think it was a good or bad environment for therapy?
1: I think any environment's good for therapy.
0: I do too. If you are struggling with relationships or having difficulty sleeping or difficulty meeting your goals, if you're feeling anxious or stressed, BetterHelp counselors can listen and help. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. Therapists have a broad range of expertise that may not be locally available in your area. The service is available for clients worldwide. You just log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You can schedule weekly video, phone, or even live chat sessions. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. So many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Arm Cherries get 10% off their first month of online therapy at BetterHelp.com dot com slash dax that's better help h-e-l-p slash dax He's an He's an He's an okay there's so much
2: going on are you shirtless under that vest i guess i'm getting blown out a little bit so this is a bit of a mystery for you No, I've got a shirt. It's just that I'm Irish and Jewish. I have very, very little melanin in my skin, particularly (laughs) compared to my wife and thankfully compared to my children now. You know, there's a little bit more color in the lineage because your reaction to whether or not I'm wearing a white t-shirt or I'm shirtless (laughs) is frankly one of the grave problems of my life. If that's one of the bigger problems, then that's it.
0: By the way, the headline is not whether or not you're wearing a shirt. The headline is you appear to be in what I'm going to guess, and you know I'm a car buff, based on what little I can see of the steering wheel, and the headliner, I'm going to say you are in a 79 Cadillac Fleetwood.
2: God, you're good. You're good. Now, you're off by a little bit, but you're right on the mark. Tell
0: me, what are you in? What are you in? I'm
2: in a uh, 1989 Cadillac DeVille. As you can see, it's a beautiful, rich burgundy, plush interior with the uh, nice console. And one of my favorite things about this for an Irish Catholic is that it's got the flip for the drink right in the middle console coming out, not in, but it comes out for it. And then the back, of course, has got double ashtrays. And it's not just the double ashtrays that I find extraordinarily sexy. It's that each ashtray has its own punch and lighter. Did you say it's an 89? Correct, if you have the burgundy interior, you know I have a white exterior.
0: Of course, of course I know that. And also what I know is it's got a 4.9 liter V8 in it. Front wheel drive, am I right?
2: You are correct, and the other thing that's important to note is that life is all about balance, you know? If you're gonna drive a gas-guzzling, American-made chariot of success, <laughs> you also have to have solar panels on your house, which I do. Uh-huh. I got a limited rebate from the good state of California and from my friends in Washington, but mm-hmm. I did it because it's the right thing, and I don't consume red meat, and I do put the environment over my wallet frequently, but I also think like, hey, why well, go out and buy a new car, When I can take a beautiful used one, throw a little money into it, make people's lives aesthetically more dynamic and not contribute to creating new vehicles.
0: Well, again, the amount you would reduce in carbon footprint by driving an electric car would be far outweighed by the manufacturing of said car. So the fact that you're just staying in a car that was built in 89, you're way ahead of the game. So I applaud this effort. Thanks. Are you in
2: L.A.? No, I'm up in Vancouver. Oh, and you have that vehicle up there? Well, I'll give you the full circle of how I got into this car to have this specific conversation (laughs) with you. Before the pandemic, I shot this pilot, like right when things were were starting to go haywire. I came back to LA. They said, we're picking up the show. And I anticipated, well, I'm going to buy like one of these sprinter vans. I've always wanted to live in a van. My Instagram is like, MMA, acting, and sprinter vans, or like conversion vans. Van life. Hashtag van life. I am all about it. Yeah. And I own police interceptors. I'm a fleet owner-operator. I have three of them. I have three P71 police interceptors. And I've slept in them, and it's great. So I'm like, I'm going to get this sprinter van. I'm going to come to Vancouver. I am going to shoot this show. I'm going to park it wherever. I'll join like a fancy gym, like an Equinox, which I don't belong to. Yeah, but it, they've got beautiful showers and stuff. And, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I'm going to shower there and I'm going to live in my van. It's going to be like the ultimate bachelor life. And then on the weekend, I'll drop it off at the Vancouver National, you know, International Airport, go right back to LA, see the kids and, the, and my wife. Well, the pandemic like threw many things into havoc, including... The van market. Well, not just the van market. I mean, the van market for me personally, because I can't go home. So what was going to be just me as a bachelor living on the side of a river shooting a tv show then it became me my mother-in-law my wife our two children my dog nannies like you know children education equipment double cribs double strollers double you name it bottles and i mean just everything that comes with all the wonderful wonderful things that come with your family so that's my life here now versus the sprinter van and so of course I had to get a car up here. I looked at the lease deals, not great. Went on Craigslist. Always wanted to drive a Cadillac. Yeah. Always you wanted deserve to drive it. a Cadillac in another country. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: You've earned it. And the kids are in the apartment and they're screaming and running around. And Dak Shepherd, when he invites you on his podcast, <laughs> you you cannot have young children screaming and yelling. So I jumped in the old Cadillac.
0: Oh my God. So there's so much going on. Let me just brief everyone. It was, we've uncovered you're, you're sitting in a car in Canada. It's an incredible car. It's an 89 Coupe de Ville. And clearly you're just in public right now. So if someone were to walk by, they would just see you chatting in your car. Right? Correct. Yeah. And you already look crazy. You look like a crazy person. This is part of your yeah. charm. Yeah. You look like you're planning some kind of violent thing. I just want oh to say, that you're in an oh. old, shitty car. With this no car looks on.
2: spectacular. Okay, It looks spectacular. And I was, I was nurse cradled and reared in a zip code 02129, the People's Republic of Charlestown, right there in the city of Boston. It's one square mile by one square mile. I grew up going to the Red Store on the corner of my street there on Monument Square, where up until the late 90s they had to give a penny, take a penny for the Irish Freedom Fund. And when you made it in Charlestown, you drove a Cadillac, Deville, Fleetwood, whatever. Yeah. And this is the apex for my neighborhood. And it's taken me many, many decades to get to where I've I've always wanted to be. I didn't anticipate it would feel this good, Dex.
0: (laughs) Right, or happen this quickly. Literally, I
2: I mean, look at the stitching on this thing. No, it's
0: incredible. It's unparalleled. Oh, it's incredible. Luxury has been in a nosedive since the late 80s. Now, as I'm getting so excited just to see your face and hear your charm, I'm also saddened at the same time because as I see you in this car, I realize it's a crime we're not better friends. It's not even that we're not better friends, it's that we don't hang out because what a pair we would be with our fleet vehicles. Yeah, our wives
2: would be none too thrilled.
0: Or thrilled that you didn't have to hear about this, that we had an outlet in each other.
2: I first met your wife many, many years ago. I think it was for this horror movie that we shot in Romania. Mm, And mm -hmm. she is such an absolute... Bitch. You know, it's what you see is what you get. (laughs) She is definitely the nicest person I have, one of the nicest people (laughs) I have ever, ever encountered. And she has this incredible way in which to balance confidence and humility that I actually don't know if I've seen in other actors or actresses like her she is so confident in who she is and also like where she's going and at the same time she's so genuinely grateful and also wants to be able to communicate her gratitude through professionalism mm-hmm. and you see it over and over she's not the kind of person who treats people who Losers. other people might look well, yeah, well other people <laughs> might look them over okay i'm, yeah, not, gonna, yeah. I'm not gonna be baited <laughs> by you <laughs> You know, she doesn't just treat them well because, like, she hopes somebody will find out about it. Right. You know, she does these, like, very kind things in private moments that people will never know. And yet she's still, like, a movie star. Yeah. it's just so rare to see that. And I've always uh, respected her and always really liked her. And then I got hip to you when you were doing all of your punk stuff early Well, hold on, hold on, hold
0: on, hold on. I want to interject here. Okay, so, yes, you knew my wife. And because you knew my wife, you and I met each other for the first time in New York. We were doing when in Rome, Kristen and I. She said, "My buddy Jonathan Tucker's going to swing by."
2: Yeah, on set.
0: Yes, and I'm like, "Okay, you got a guy coming to your trailer," as I recall. And then we met, and I'll tell you why I remember this so so profoundly is that I think about this compliment anytime I'm feeling low. I bet I tell myself this once a month. You and I met outside. And I was taken off. And then you then went and hung out with Kristen in her trailer. And she told me after the fact that you said, I didn't realize Dax was such a fucking
2: beast. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, you're a fucking beast. What do you want me to say? I call like I see it. I mean, look at the size of your chest. It's barreling. Um, Wait, you know, that's really kind of funny because you guys weren't dating then that I knew of. We were, yeah. You were coming in for the kill. No, 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 no. Look, one of the like, keys to, I feel like my personal and maybe minimal professional success has simply been like, be professional with the women you work with. These people who end up hooking up with their co-stars, first of all, not that your wife would have ever hooked up with me. Let's be clear. Okay.
0: She would, she would.
2: I'm not insinuating that. But what I am saying is that like you're jeopardizing your production. The benefit's never going to outweigh the potential negative of the production. Uh And also like you want to be friends with these people. Usually they're successful for a reason because they're dynamic and exciting and interesting and authentic and risk-taking. And it's kind of hard to be friends with people long-term, really, if you've had some sort of relationship with them. And it can be so easy to have that happen on a production, not the production I had with your wife. Again, <laughs> well, in no, general, hold on, in hold general. on.
0: Let me interrupt you. It actually would have been incredibly easy because you're all in Romania, you're all fish out of water, everyone's lonely. The production isn't a high dollar one, people are uncomfortable. It'd be a great way to comfort yourself to get some validation from a co star,
2: perchance. I guess mm-hmm. I've, you know, I've been doing this for a long time, and your allegiance. And the priority has to be to the production. And it's a long-term game. Uh And there's a lot of people relying on the success of your work beyond you. And you should take that into account. It's so funny that you bring that one up because I remember being in New York. I think you were at the Met or at the Guggenheim? Uh Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, Guggenheim.
2: At the Guggenheim. And I remember coming in and she said something about that production that we had done together, she said to her hair makeup team, she was like, you know, I was so grateful to, I I can't remember if it was Disney, or funny enough, I think it was the Weinsteins at that time, or Miramax or something. And she's like, I was so grateful that they gave me that opportunity. And so I wanted to like honor the work as much as I possibly could, because it was a horror film, and it was not going to win an Oscar. Uh, But she said to them, like privately, she's just like, they gave me this shot, and I wanted to honor it.
0: Yeah. Well, we met there, but you mentioned earlier that you're from Charleston. Charlestown. Charlestown. And I had a really unique experience in Charlestown. I had a driver when I was working in Boston. I became really friendly with him. He had just gotten out of prison for an armored car robbery. He had been there for a while. I went down there to buy a t-shirt. I'm on the phone with Kristen. I'm FaceTiming. What shirt do you want? A guy walks up with... A super thick neck, tattoos everywhere. He's like, oh, I fucking know you. I'm like, hey, he's like, let's get a picture. And I go, yeah, when you come out, I'm on the phone with my wife, but when you come out, let's get a picture. He walks in. One second later, he walks out. Fuck you and your fucking cunt wife. Now it's on. Now I'm, fuck you, motherfucker. you go gonna talk to my wife? The dude operating the t-shirt shop.
2: Johnny Kelly. Yes,
0: it was was, was Johnny.
2: Was it outside? It's on the sidewalk.
0: Yeah, in front of the liquor store.
2: By the way, that's Johnny Kelly. Hey, respect go on
0: so johnny gets in between us immediately and the first thing he starts saying is nobody's stabbing nobody nobody's stabbing nobody like that's it went <laughs> yeah, straight dude,
2: to we, the next we go quick we go quick to the cutting <laughs>
0: <laughs> i thought that was such a telling moment that he was screaming no one's stabbing anyone anyways the point of that is that was sunday like 11 in the morning <laughs> that happened yeah i get picked up monday by my driver and I tell him, hey, I went to your hometown. I had this experience. And he's like, wait a minute, what time was this? what did this guy look like? And I go, no, 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 let me be very clear. Everything's golden. The dude and I made up, life's good. Yeah, but what-, what You don't what you... mess
2: with the Charlestown Teamster, buddy. Keep going.
0: Mm-hmm. He drops me off at work. The whole ride, he's saying, I'd be very interested to know who this guy was, right? And I keep repeating, no one needs to know who this guy was. So he then goes and picks Kristen and the baby up at the, at the hotel like four hours later. And he's still saying, I'd be really curious to know who this guy is. I talked to Johnny, the guy who sells the t shirt. He's already Johnny talked Tell to him. He's the greatest. By the time I get off work, I get in the van. He goes, Okay, this fucking knucklehead's at the halfway house, two blocks up. He's not from fucking Charlestown. Of course.
2: The first thing we'll do is be like, This guy's not from the fucking neighborhood. <laughs> And he shouldn't be here. And he shouldn't have fucking said a thing. And he should have mind his fucking business. And we're going to go over there and we're going to have a conversation.
0: Dude, I can't believe how quickly I got to experience the whole Charlestown experience. Just by going to buy a t-shirt. And the fact that even my dude like looked out for me, found out who the guy was. Now the guy's being watched. The whole thing. So when I know you're from there and you're born in the 80s, what was childhood like there? It's such a unique
2: little world. Yeah, no, really. I mean, it really is.
0: Like, it's so hyper-masculine, and you're like this artist who did ballet. I'm just dying to know where you were at in that.
2: I was in two different worlds. My parents moved into Charlestown in the late 70s, 70s, 77, 78. They moved into a neighborhood that they could afford. My father got this job at UMass Boston, the only public university in the city. And he's an expert on Monet? On Monet, on French Impressionism and moves into Charlestown. This is very highbrow. Well, it was a working class community that, at that point, they were the first like toonies, the first yuppies, the first liberals to move in. Uh Uh-huh. Liberals was a word that I bring up because that was what people sometimes would derogatorily refer to me as, as I was being experiencing Charlestown. And Charlestown (laughs) is one of the most important parts of like who I am and how I see the world. And there's nobody prouder of the neighborhood, nobody prouder to be from the neighborhood than I am. But I can acknowledge that I'm not third-generation Charlestown. Mm-hmm. So they moved there in the 70s because they could afford it. And we had a five-story townhouse that was a rooming house. Um, my father did all the electrical work, a ton of the plumbing, with Charlie Cassidy, a local Charlestown character, rest in peace. And people rented rooms. They bought the house with people living in the house. Oh, my God. So the, oh the God. stairway was a common area for me growing up. Hold
0: on, pause, pause, pause. That's incredible what a scenario for you to meet characters. Oh, yeah. And people who rent room in general, they're not like, they don't have roots down
2: necessarily. No, I mean, some of them do. Some of them had lived in the house for decades before my parents. Okay. You know, there was a woman who lived in what became my parents' bedroom who had a bell by her door that like went down to like, at some point to somebody to like help her get food or whatever up to her apartment because she never got out of bed. She died in that bed. My mother discovered her dead in the bed because she hadn't paid her rent. Oh my God. But then other people would be in for a year or six months or whatever. They lost tenants and then accumulated space when people came out, literally their sexuality. They were like, I'm gay now. I'm out of here. I'm getting married. I'm out of here. I'm dead. I'm out of here. We're getting divorced. We're out of (laughs) here.
0: I'm dead. I'm out of here.
2: They accumulated more and more of that house in Charlestown. So literally, like, my bedroom was, you know, there was a woman who was working, like, I think she was, like, a nurse at Mass General for a period of time. And then I went to school out in the suburbs in a a very beautiful, very kind of posh area called Brookline. Can we use the word bucolic? I'm always dying to use that word. Bucolic, nice tony area. Okay. It's where the country club is. And it's literally the country club. It's the oldest country club in in America. It's called the TCC. So Mm. it's the the country club. It's not the Brookline country club. It's the country club. (laughs) We're very proud of ourselves. Yes, in Boston. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Can I interrupt and cut straight to the chase? Yeah. Do you know Ben and Matt?
2: <laughs> I, I, I do not. <laughs> I do not. Cut
0: right to the chase. I thought some. I thought we were in trouble.
1: No. I have to ask everyone from Boston. But
2: here's the reason why, because they're from Cambridge.
0: And tell us what that means.
2: We're very tribal in our uh-huh. neighborhood. So if you're from, yeah. Sh- it's the first thing that they said to Dax. He's like, this guy's not from Charlestown. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. He's yeah. not from Charlestown. Fuck this guy. We'll cut him. Oh yeah. wow.
0: And in the hierarchy of toughness, I always from what I knew from movies was like Southie guys were the fucking roughest customers. But then once I spent some good amount of time there, I found out no, no, the Charleston boys are above even the Southie boys. Is that
2: accurate? We don't need to rank ourselves. Charlestown and South Boston (laughs) are very.
0: Sounds like you
1: really do need to rank
2: yourselves. (laughs) I'm not I'm not coming on the podcast to start some sort of brawl here. They've both changed, man. They've both changed so much. If you sent me a script and you wanted to Show in the script that the town is yuppified, you would change Johnny's Food Master, the local supermarket where they had no fresh produce and no, they didn't know what the word organic was when I was growing up, to Whole Foods, which is what happened in Charlestown.
0: Uh huh, uh huh. It's a yeah. Whole
2: Foods, but that's what happened. Yeah. Well, my parents bought our house for $68,000. Well, yeah, uh, that's what I was going to say. It makes
0: sense because they're row houses, right? That's what we call them, row houses. Sure. They're all big houses, they're narrow, but they're multi floored, and you can see. There was just great value sitting there in a very compact city. So it was only a matter of time, I suppose.
2: The problem was that in California, and I know it's a bit of a hot-button issue, but if you buy your house in California, you're going to pay essentially the same tax on it for the rest of your life. And that seems very unfair for a lot of people, but it's also very fair because— As the property value increases, you're not moving people out. And in Charlestown, as more and more people started buying homes there, they would then go and reassess the property. And people who had family homes who grew up in those homes and were going to live in them for the rest of their lives could no longer afford to live in Charlestown.
0: Yeah, there's no argument against the California law because I was a kid when this happened. And on 60 Minutes every other week, you have all these older people who had retired. They own their home free and clear. And they're literally losing their home to tax yeah. liability. So you yeah. can't have a tax system that way that punishes retirees.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, that's a retiree issue, but this was happening to people who were any age in, in Boston. Oh, yeah, reassess yeah. reassess your property. Yeah. So then what are those people who have grown up and made the neighborhood, the lifeblood of the neighborhood, who do they blame for that? Well, they can blame the government. But they also blamed the people who are coming in and invading the neighborhood and increasing the value of the property. So that's where you started getting this toony, towny kind of bifurcation. Uh And I wasn't fully accepted into my school in Brookline. I mean, I was, but I wasn't fully Mm -hmm. because I was always the guy from Charlestown. Mm -hmm. And then in Charlestown, I was the guy who was getting out and going to this school in Brookline. Yeah. But I played Little League and the team I played for They were the Teamsters because the local Teamsters, the guy who drove you, their membership, their union is right there at the bottom of the street in Charlestown, right across from the fire department. I remember, like, one of my first days out there playing, this kid came up to me. By the way, I was super accepted, had a great baseball experience there. But one of the funny things is a guy on my team runs up to me, stops, played second base, lifts up his leg, his um, pant leg, and shows me this knife in his sock. And I'm 10 or 11 years old. And he's like, you fucking liberal. (laughs) And I was like, what does that even mean? I had to go home to my old man and be like, what is a liberal? And he's on my team. (laughs) But it goes back to the busing because essentially it was the liberals who were enforcing this busing issue on Charlestown. And Uh all the Charlestown people knew were, this is a working class Irish community that loves and cares for each other. And we want to send our kids to our schools where they can walk to school. And now we're being told my one son has to get on a bus and go eight miles away to another school where he doesn't know anybody's going to get beat up. And my other son is going to go to another school, a whole other side of the city, an hour drive away and have the same thing happen. And... There was definitely racism involved, as there was all over the city. Oh, so really quick,
0: this is interesting, because when I think of busing, I think of the opportunity for inner-city kids to get on buses and go to a school that may be better performing. But you're saying, in this case, they were also saying you had to leave if you didn't want to, your school district, and go elsewhere.
2: Yeah, so busing in Boston, they moved every kid, basically. It was like you put your number into a a tumbling machine, oh and popped gosh. out. And you'd go to school all over the city. It was forced integration. In many ways, it was totally and utterly necessary and did a lot of good. In many ways, it was completely mishandled and did a lot of, and engendered a terrible amount of resentment and violence. Uh-huh. But one thing to look at is where you start to understand there is a very conservative bent in Massachusetts. There were a lot of people who voted for Donald Trump in Massachusetts. they yeah. voted for Scott Brown for Senate. And that resentment and some of that political sentiment what has been there since the 70s. And they just had so allied themselves with certain parties and those parties took them for granted and didn't realize that there was this undercurrent there. But the liberals came from the fact that it was the fucking liberals that were stuffing this down our throat.
0: Uh-huh. Oh, wow. What a fascinating history.
2: Big time. Yeah, there's yeah. a book called Common Ground by J. Anthony Lucas that I think it won the Pulitzer in 1989, 1990, 91, 82. The year of your Cadillac. The year of my Cadillac. Yeah. yeah babe. Did you hear that? <laughs> huh? <laughs> oh, <honey? laughs> It uses Boston as a microcosm for other urban areas in, in America in the 70s, the turbulent decade. It's yeah. one of the best books I've ever read. I've read it two or three times. Um, it's meaningful, it's weighty, but I think it's what gives one of the best lenses in which to view our current climate and current political situation now than any other book I know of, of yesteryear.
0: I'm adding it to Audible. Stay tuned for more armchair experts. If you dare, we are supported by Simply Safe. Simply Safe is an award winning home security system, so you know it's engineered with the latest technology you want to keep your family safe. But what really sets Simply Safe apart is its people highly trained security experts who are always there for you when you need them most. These are people who truly care about keeping you safe. When an alarm goes off, a person who cares is there for you with a phone call to make sure you're okay. When an emergency happens, a person who cares is there for you by getting fire and police responders to your front door right away. Even if you're having a problem setting up your system, a person who cares is there for you with a friendly chat and a quick resolution. Now, I set up The Simply Safe system, and it was so easy. I can't imagine why someone would have a problem. If I can do it, I have to imagine most people can. So quick and easy to install. The bottom line is when you need them most, Simply Safe is there 24 7 with people who care and experts trained to not only keep you safe, but to make you feel safe. It's one of the many reasons US News recently called Simply Safe the best home security of 2021. To learn more about how Simply Safe can help protect you and your family, visit slash Dax today to customize your system and get a free security camera. You also get a 60-day risk-free trial, so there's nothing to lose. That's simplysafe.com/dax, simply with an i. We are supported by Mm-mm-mm-mm. Mm, ZipRecruiter That's right, girl Look, if you're a business owner who's hiring You probably face a lot of challenges When it comes to finding the right person for your role I would never want to have to replace you or Rob But I will if I have to Okay If any place could do it It'd be ZipRecruiter.com When you post a job on ZipRecruiter It gets sent out to over 100 top job sites with one click. Then, ZipRecruiter's matching technology finds people with the right skills and experience for your job and actively invites them to apply. In fact, ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. It's no wonder over 2.3 million businesses have come to ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. That's why hiring can feel like trying to find needles in a haystack. Sure, you can post your job to some job board, but then all you can do is hope the right person comes along, which is why you should try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com DAX. So, while other companies overwhelm you with way too many options, ZipRecruiter finds you what you're looking for, the needle in the haystack. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at this web address, ZipRecruiter.com DAX. Once again, remember to go to this unique place, ZipRecruiter.com DAX. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Okay, so listen, you were a, I got to pick the word that's not offensive, a coward weakling who went away to this a pretty boy <laughs> school. And then when you were up there, you were this trashy kid from Charlestown. A great opportunity there, right? Because you learned to code switch and it really probably is the beginning of acting, right? This is a good, this
2: is fertile ground. Yeah, but Charlestown also was like a lot more accepting than you'd think because they were supportive of the ballet. Oh, they were, that you did ballet. They were into that? I think the thing about growing up in a working class community is it's all about authenticity. They just can't be anything more than that. What they don't like and what people smell right away is bullshit. I grew up in Boston, but we had a a little summer house in upstate New York in a, in a town called Saratoga Springs, New York. Was there a little waterfall there? There's a racetrack, famous racetrack. Oh, oh, okay. And it's the oldest racetrack in the country. Mm. Yeah. It's really fun. It's actually great. Your family would love it, Dex. Mm. Like You actually still have to get dressed up. It's old school.
0: Oh, 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 oh. This is where Rockefeller and everyone vacationed.
2: Am I right? They would have had a house there because they'd have horses and they'd go to the track. Yeah, 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 yeah. I yep. think
1: there's a scene in Ocean's Eleven that takes place there. Oh. I'll fact check well, that. Well, let me letter. tell you,
2: we're no Rockefellers. We did not have an expensive house. It was a little, <laughs> very, very, very modest spot because my mother went to Skidmore College, which is there and my grandmother lived up there because of it. There's a local bakery called Fry Hoffers. They made cookies and bread and things like that. Mm. And they paid for anybody under the age of like 12 and any senior citizens, they paid their admission to sit on the lawn at the Performing Arts Center in Saratoga, which is home to the New York City Ballet
1: mm. and
2: yeah. to the Philadelphia Philharmonic. So I'd sit on the lawn with my grandmother and I fell in love with ballet. I went back to Boston and was like, you know, I wanna do ballet and I wanna do real ballet. I don't want it to be like gymnastics. My parents got me into the Boston Ballet Company, which turned out to be like the professional track for the company. So I I danced in every performance they did for about five years and changed my life.
0: Oh my God. Wow. Okay, so really quick story. So my mom could tell right out of the gates that I was gonna be enormous. Um, I was really tall for my age. A beast. And, and Yeah, beast mode. And so someone told her, like, I think a doctor said, you know, he's going to be so big, a great way to get him in very good control of his body would be to get him into ballet. So my mom enrolled me in ballet when I was like six or seven. And I did it. And I I liked it. And then she invited my dad to the first recital. So my dad watched the whole recital. And then it was over. And he turned to my mother. and
2: He's like, that was his last recital. Was, we're done. We're done with this. <laughs> Well, I mean, I hate the story. I I am going to do... I do want my son to do ballet.
0: Yes! You at least have uh, the movie Billy whatever to show your son. Billy Elliot. Billy Elliot.
2: But I don't need that... Bro, I don't need that movie (laughs) to show him. Like, you know what? Like, running through a bit of a gauntlet like I did. My dad supported me for sure, and so did my mother. And Charlestown did. But, like, funny enough, the fancy kids...
0: Yeah, yeah. A lot
2: less so. My class for sure, but but the classes above did not. I don't know. I think it, I really do think it makes you stronger. I'm not talking about like, I'm not a proponent of bullying, man, by any means, but you got to stand up for what you're doing and what you believe in. And if you can do that at a young age, again, it goes back to like the sense of authenticity. The only thing we have different from one another is our creative sources. Our gut instinct is who we are as individuals. It's the only thing. So hone that and be that it's the thing that makes you attractive in a room when you're trying to get a job. I agree. And ultimately, everybody has a story to tell. Everybody's a lot more interesting than they might think they are. Everybody has something to offer. And the more authentic you are, the more we're attracted to that because it, it, there's no fear there. But it is appealing, right? Like
0: when you're yeah, you're dude. hungry, you wanna be somewhere, you have a fantasy and then you hear these
2: things. It's like, oh, you gotta do this. And it's, it's quite tempting. It's like the low hanging fruit. For sure. And people will just constantly tell you what the path Prescribed path looks like. And yet, the things that we all want to see, the interviews you all want to watch, the actors who are going to bring butts to theaters are the people who are going to do things you don't expect, you know, who are going to push back Mm -hmm. against what the orthodoxy is. And even in younger people, like I don't know enough about a lot of these people, maybe to be talking about them, but I've seen some of these interviews with Miley Cyrus. I know she's gone all over the kind of place, but like, She's very authentic to who she is, it seems, in these interviews. and like, I want to watch the interview. Oh, I love her. I love her. Absolutely. I think she's like, yeah, this is me. But even like Jake Paul, I don't know this guy. He seems like kind of a jerk from all the YouTube stuff. But the dude clearly is getting it. Like he's busting his ass with this boxing and he knows the marketing and he's putting it out there. And I don't know this guy from Adam, dude. I've never met him. don't know anybody who knows him you got to commend the fact that he is a
0: substandard boxer who's going to get paid millions to box. That's pretty brilliant.
2: But he knows it. and he's working his ass off, too. True, true, true. He true. really is working hard. I mean, yeah. I'm throwing people out. I really don't know all these people, but I'm looking for these <laughs> examples of, like, people who are truly authentic in what they're doing. And sometimes you're going to face these periods where it doesn't feel like it's working, but that's just, like, this short-term period if you stick with it, man, it'll end up working out in lots of different ways. And like a lot of friends of mine who have gone through sobriety issues, they have found the power of authenticity from the jump. And I've seen so much of their personal and professional lives change because of that.
0: Yeah. Okay. I need to fan out for a bit. So did you get enough answers about ballet?
1: I could always hear more. Of, I love the ballet.
2: It's so impressive. Yeah. It's,
1: it's, so you were in a professional ballet company.
2: Yeah, I was with the Boston Ballet. And I'll tell your old man, man, I'd I'd look your old man, I'd be like, you know, there's six of us in the company as boys, four of whom are probably gay and are not out, and 450 beautiful young women. I'm like, (laughs) what? Where do you want me to go? To a football locker room, bro? I mean, what are you talking about? Oh, yeah. What are you, what world are
0: you living in? I've said the same thing about all of um, Kristen's classmates in musical theater. I'm like, whoa, I missed the...
1: And cheerleading. Cheerleading, yes. Monica
0: is a state champion cheerleader. Twice, two times decorated.
1: But a co-ed squad. And yeah, people would like kind of make fun of them. And they're like, dude, guys, I'm I'm on the road (laughs) catching (laughs) girls' vaginas. Uh
0: (laughs) And you're on the road with these ladies yeah. like out at tournaments and people are sneaking drinks this is the dream okay do you want to ask no. like any specific like could he do a, is there a move that's really hard oh,
1: i don't know enough about yeah. it to add. what's the hardest move you can do
2: oh no yeah i mean i think the, the reason why like I'm, I'm very adamant that my son do ballet it instills a sense of discipline you yeah. really got to slow down You got to listen and take direction. You have to show up on time. The ballet world, I don't know how much it's really changed, but the sense of self-discipline and then just the strictness of it is fabulous for a young man.
0: Well, but you had already been kind of preconditioned as a Catholic, maybe. Like, that wouldn't have worked for me.
2: My father's a recovering Catholic.
0: Okay. But you've got like relatives that were like famous Catholics. You're like an ambassador uncle or some shit or some grandparent.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Woo, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, My great-grandfather was the ambassador to Spain as like the first academic to be an ambassador for the U.S. government. And
0: some of your family members brought religion to Yale as a discipline, some exploration of, of religion, no?
2: Yeah. I've never talked about any of these sorts of things. My aunt and uncle started a world religion and ecology kind of conference at Harvard many, many years ago. And that became really their life work, ecology and world religions. And my uncle is an American indigenous scholar. Mm -hmm. And my aunt, pretty profound understanding of East Asian studies. And her understanding of Catholicism and Christianity is pretty profound as well, um, as is my uncles. But they were trying to look at how these different faiths viewed ecology, because mm-hmm. all of their texts and all of their traditions um, speak to that. And yet we don't really talk about it, whether it's in the temples or the churches or the ceremonies, but also as not in a meaningful way and not and not bringing out to the forefront uh, the connection between the two. So they really brought that conversation to, uh, to Yale within the School of Forestry, and they have their own school there on World Religions and Ecology. Wow. They have their own school
0: at Yale.
1: That's amazing.
2: You know, we got to take care of the world, dude. I know. And if you have faith in your life, your faith is going to tell you how they believe we should look after the planet. So you can't just take some of this and not take the other. You know, if you're a Christian, you got to believe that Jesus died and then came back. It's part of the thing. Yeah, it's the buy-in. It's the buy-in. And you got to buy into how to treat the planet.
0: That is true. I hadn't even considered that. But if you believe there's a God and God created this beautiful place for all of us and oh, it's a real fuck you to God to destroy it.
1: But do they think it can't be
0: destroyed because God won't Oh, let it? good counterpoint.
2: Well, I mean, my aunt and uncle definitely don't. And they would suggest that the text doesn't say that in any way, shape or form. Okay. Um mm-hmm. My pushback with them is you got to hit people in their wallet and people have got to be incentivized. I agree. You got to make it easy. You got to make it easy for people. Totally.
0: Okay. I got a fan out for you because we've been talking for an hour. I need to fan out for a minute. I met you there on the sidewalk in New York. I liked you. You're so goddamn personable. I then bumped into you several times. So fucking likable. Then you joined parenthood. Sadly, we never had anything together. But you were around all the time, so maybe I bump into you sometimes coming in and out of the trailer. Not enough for my liking. And then I discovered Kingdom this year, late to the party. And right when Parenthood wrapped, you were going to start that. And you were starting it with another member of the Parenthood cast.
2: Matt Loria.
0: So you boys were going to do this. And then I watched this show this year, and you are outrageously fucking good it's it's oh, crazy you. how thank good you, you are on that show i was like simultaneously just enjoying this performance and then like elated for you as a person who has pursued this and done it on the level you did it you're fucking you. incredible on that show so your acting's off the charts you're so patient You're so confident, you know, it's going to come to you. You're relaxed as a motherfucker. You're doing things are happening that you didn't know were going to happen. It's all obvious on the acting front. And then the body, it is maddening your body (laughs) in that. And that show is absolutely infuriating. How did you
2: transform yourself? There's this Ira Glass quotation, where he's talking about writing or storytelling, but it's applicable to any of the things that like we're doing or talking about, which is, he's like, you know, you got into whatever the discipline is because you had a certain level of expectation of quality and of the work. And you're getting so frustrated because the work you're producing isn't meeting those original goals, the goals that got you in, the expectations that sent you on this path. And sometimes it's a combination of your own skill set. And sometimes it's the material and sometimes it's both. His suggestion is you just keep on doing it. Because at a certain point, what got you into it, your expectations, the quality of the work, and where you are as a creative person will end up meeting each other. Mm. But most people quit. Ah. And I've been working as an actor for 11 or since I was like 11 years old. And I actually was just talking about parenthood because I got this call from Jason Kadams and he called me when I was in this period where I was testing for TV shows like once a week and not getting them. I think I tested for 30 odd TV shows. Oh, wow. It's not really necessary to go into the depth of the... Challenge, self
0: doubt. It changes hourly. It's like how you look one day, and then it's how you act one day, and then it's.
2: It's like a cancer, man. When you're unemployed, <laughs> it kind of goes ties back to like my political philosophy, which is nobody wants to be given anything. They want expectations put on them. They want a job. They want their skill sets, their self value to be determined by like what they do and how they contribute. I need you to show up tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. and be here and do this work. It creates right. self value. Yeah, and when you can't work, and when you're not employed—separate things—you don't feel good about yourself.
0: Yeah, it's brutal.
2: It's brutal, and there's lots of different things you one can establish to you know as handrails and steps to get out of that and to deal with it. But when Jason called about this show, I was in such a profoundly hard place. I got on set, and Dylan Masson was one of the producers.
0: Greatest fucking guy ever.
2: What a producer. Yeah. 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 He walks up to me. I mean, perfect layup for this or tee up. Like, he comes up and he's like, Hey, just want to let you know, like, really big fans of yours. Can't, you know, we're all so excited you're doing this. And uh, here on the show, we give the responsibility of the characters to the actors. And we want you to have a lot of fun. We shoot three cameras. The dialogue's a guide for you, try new things, take risks. And I literally was like, I was like, on the inside, I'm fucking crying because. I haven't gotten a job for a long time and I'm financially hurting and my representation that I thought was going to be there for me. My agents weren't there for me. And the friends you thought were your friends are not really (laughs) your friends. You know, in success, our friends know us and in adversity, we know our friends and people don't call you back. And so I was so grateful because it really gave me, it really liberated me, that show.
0: That show's a real confidence builder, isn't it? Again, like I just said about Kingdom, learning to relax and let things happen. I feel like that show was like the greatest place to learn that or practice that for me.
2: What else are you going to do?
0: Well, previous to that, I'm like, okay, I got these lines. I I barely understand why they would have me say this. And then now I'm going to try to convince this other person in the scene that this
2: is a good thing to say. You're going to force it to happen. Yeah, yeah. You can't do that. Life isn't like that, man. Yeah. My friend got this pilot recently. They, he sent the tape, and the casting director said, we're not going to pass it along to producers. And he calls up, and he pleads this case. He says, just pass it along. They can pass, but just give it to them to say no. Yeah. And he And he said, to their credit, they did. And when they called and said, the producers want you to kind of come in, and they think you're kind of the guy, he said, that's right. That's right. That's right. He hasn't worked for—he hasn't been employed for years. And he's a great actor. I said, I've been there. Because you're not saying— Oh, thank you. Thank you. Or thank God. You're saying, that's right, man. I've been doing the work. I'm ready. The expectations of my work, when I got into this business, I'm ready to go. My skills are ready to match that and to meet that. That's right. They want me. Uh Uh-huh. Because I'm the best person for that role. Yes. All right.
0: We're off on a tangent. How did you fucking get in shape like that for Kingdom? When this airs, I'm going to definitely post a picture of you from Kingdom on the release because I made Monica look
2: right before we talked to you.
1: He's going to make everyone yeah. look. We're probably yeah. going to do a calendar of you.
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think almost everybody can get into commensurate shape for their body type if they are as self-disciplined as we were. And a friend of mine, she's actually a dietitian, and I think she has an Instagram account, Shira Barlow she wrote a book and when she said it, I was like oh that's kind of like kingdom she said you know I never have problems with brides to be following a diet plan
0: yeah goes, because
2: they can see a goal they see themselves at a certain point in time
0: uh-huh. and she was
2: actors can do that really well too because yeah. they're like I'll be in that scene and I know I need to get to the, do these things to get there yeah there are systems you can put into place, like mental conditioning things, to help make those sorts of goals happen. And the goal isn't the body. The goal is tomorrow I am going to work on this part of, you know, this muscle group at this time with these numbers I'm gonna hit. That's the goal. And so there's simple things like you've got to know where your weakness is. So if you're not going to make the coffee to go to the gym, then you need to have the coffee. You need to know where you're going to go buy it. And you need to walk through it mentally. And you're mm-hmm. going to say, tomorrow morning at this time, I'm going to get up. I'm not going to feel like I want to. I'm going to already have the music prepared. I'm, the music's going to go in the car, that one song that gets me going. And the ca- I'm going to fill the gas tank tonight. Cause like, if I stop at the gas station, I'll get distracted. You know, all these things get in your way. These small things get in our way. Ah, what did you weigh during that? You must have been light, huh? I was 170 something for one part of the show, and I was 137 or something for another part of the show.
0: 137 wow. to one. Se- whoa! Yeah. Whoa, whoa, right? whoa! Somewhere around there, yeah. Oh my gosh!
2: But it, you know, you can't fake that, Dax. Like I can fake being an auto mechanic. I can't fake being an MMA fighter
0: right yeah oh you so looked the part and just your attitude was so fucking refreshing like the thing that would have drove me nuts is if you went in there and tried to play tough oh that would have been such a disaster you played like a smart ass which i knew many tough guys in my town that had the exact attitude that you had in that show it was just so authentic because when you're tough you can be a fucking smart ass because what's gonna happen
2: you know the fight world—it's be humble or get humbled. The more you do it, the more you realize that Monica might be the one to like be a higher belt, you know, than I am, and in jujitsu.
0: Not might, certainly would be. Again, two-time state champion, <laughs> well, elite muscle mass uh, from the the 23andMe test. <laughs> See, this, yeah. this scale will fuck <laughs> both of us up.
2: You just learn to not like make assumptions, and you learn that some days, like. Some days just aren't your days. And all those lessons that I learned on that show through MMA, which, are still, which is still an important part of my life, you apply to your daily experience. And you just don't know what you don't know. And anybody can be better on a certain given day. And the only thing that like, can really try to separate you is the hard work that you put in, the conditioning you put in before you, you get in there. Now, we're both friends with Zegers, right? Kevin Zegers? One of my favorite people. Also gone through a similar experience where his back got up against the wall. He was kind of, I don't want to speak for him, but the employment was not coming the way that he had hoped. The jobs that he had wanted were coming That he deserved, yeah. And he just kept getting deeper and deeper into being a better actor. Mm -hmm. And we did one tape, man, where I started crying. I was reading on this other side of the camera, and I was like, yo, this is really good work. Like, this is shockingly good work.
0: shockingly good work that's a cool thing for two dudes to be sharing i just want to say but anyways he was telling me that you're still like your diet is like you drink a half gallon of coffee and oil in the morning and then like you're you kept on it yeah
2: i like systems Mm -hmm. and i'll abandon a system immediately if i can find a better one
0: Mm -hmm. i like
2: discipline i like being in touch with my body Are you tough to be married to because your wife's like,
0: you're so fucking busy with all, you got to do this at this time and this at this time. There's no flexibility. Is it annoying for
2: her? I'm very actually flexible. I do this like somewhat bulletproof sort of drink in the morning and that's Mm -hmm. about it. And then I just don't eat till a lot later. And at that point I'll eat whatever we want.
0: Okay. So she doesn't find your, by the way, I'm a control freak and I am also a creature of habit and, (laughs) and it can get fucking cumbersome to be around me sometimes. Yeah,
2: yeah, but you and I, we've done a lot of things right and a lot of things wrong. But I think the thing that you and I can agree on is that that we married the right people. Yeah. It's so fun. (laughs) Having the kids has been amazing, man. It's been so helpful to me as an actor and as a human being, obviously. But as an actor, the clarity is just overwhelming.
0: Yeah, they've cured a lot of my uh, existential crises for sure. They've been the most profound good thing that's happened to me as well. All right, let's talk about Debris. You are on a
2: show currently. You're, that's why you're up there, right? Yeah. So I got this script and I was like, Sigh. and I work with a mental conditioning coach, like a sports coach. He does, he works with athletes. But I've also read like Tim Grover has a book called Relentless. I think he just came out with a new one. The Inner Game of Tennis, another mental conditioning book. I'm interested in performance on demand. In our business, there's a lot less analytics of success I.e. for sports, like the ball goes in the basket or it doesn't. So if I can glean from sports or combat what is working for those athletes or soldiers, like I want to be able to apply that to my life. And it's very helpful in the gym, by the way. If you're looking to lift weights, there's some like very simple mental things you can do that genuinely change the way you can lift.
0: Oh, we should pump together when you get home in my basement.
2: I've been waiting to hear you tell me that for decades. The first <laughs> listening shot of your torso, I was hoping you would say that to me. Yeah, we'll do a um, shirtless workout. No bench work. <laughs> <laughs> but I had a goal. I really wanted to set a tone on a set and be responsible for a production and a crew. And I didn't think it was going to be on a network primetime sci-fi show. But as I looked at it, I was like, well, why not? Like, I like this script a lot. I like this showrunner off." ton. I love network TV. Like it gets an audience. It reaches an audience. Like they know how to do it, man. I was going to
0: bring that up. Like you were doing the best work of your entire life on kingdom. And then 90 people are seeing it on direct TV. That's got to be heartbreaking a little bit. I mean, what you were going through to do
2: that show and, and just, oh. But at that, at that point, like I was where I am now, it's like, you just got to keep moving forward, you know? So
0: yeah. And people have found it. It's that good
2: that it's broken out of that. I found it. And that's, to me, like, the most important part because, like, I hope I die on set. I'm not, like, I get my SAG after a pension plan every year where they tell me how much money I'll get when I'm, like, 65 a month. And I'm, like, that's awesome. And it is awesome. Like, it does make me feel some, like, I'm not going to be homeless. But I'm also thinking, like, I'm never going to be collecting this. I'm going to be on set for the rest of my life. I I love the process more now than I've ever loved it.
0: Oh, my God. I'm so impressed. Do you know, like, when you go see Shamu, Now I know there's a hot-button topic as well, there shouldn't be a Shamu, no orca should be in captivity, but one thing I did learn on one of my trips to see Shamu 20 <laughs> years ago was that you never see the same Shamu routine more than once or twice because Shamu gets fucking bored. So, like, they can teach the dolphins the routine, and they'll just do it for years. Shamu an orca, it needs something new every day. The food's not enough for it. And I just, I'm a little bit like an orca. I need to do something different. I'm impressed with what you're up to. I
2: feel like I get a lot of dolphin during the day. Okay. And then then my Shamu is when I'm shooting. Like the Shamu is the the action to cut. Okay, that's fair. So, uh, yeah, dude, like I love like the routine of like, walking outside and there's the teamster and I pick up my newspaper and I have a little thing at the trailer routine and hair makeup and read the obits and read the business section and have all the works done and go see the set and be like oh cool it's like what I thought or what I didn't think like and have you know I, I asked the prop guy for five special things and there they all are and cool let's try this and I love it man and, I love it. I just love it. I think
0: it. if I was as good as you, I would probably still think of it that way. Like if I was out there being Jordan, yeah, it'd probably be more fun. But I'm out there like, I'm just giving them what they need, you know? I don't think yeah.
2: that's true. I think, you give, I think you're extraordinary, it. I do. I love it. I really you. do. I, I love you. I really you. You. You do think You don't have, to, you that. Don't have to say that. I think other people think that too. I think other people think that too. So I think what I learned quickly, like very quickly in the process, I was like, yo, this project is going to give you everything you wanted, And the people are great. Okay, so what is debris about? It's a really fun concept, and it's been a really fun shoot. I think a lot of people end up binging it, and when you get to the final episode, I think people are going to be like, wait, wait a second, hold on. I got to go back and look Uh, at the whole season again because the first season is really an origin story. It's about space debris from an alien race, like a wreckage, a piece of uh, an old spaceship that has somehow broken up and is coming towards Earth. And parts of that spaceship have started falling into the Western Hemisphere. And there's a joint operation between the U.S. and the U.K. called Orbital. And this team investigates where that space wreckage has landed and the people who have uh, encountered it and what kind of happens um, to those folks. And that's part of your old NBC family, man. I'm
0: going to stream it on Hulu or Peacock because they're a sponsor. I'm going to stream it on Peacock (laughs) instead of Hulu because they're not a sponsor. But I need Monica to see – well, Monica's a big Parenthood fan, so she's seen you act. But that's not – you didn't have enough – like, you did a great job on that. But we need to see someone – like, you need to always be playing someone. So I'm a little terrified they're going to fucking die or, or kill someone. In the next well, that character minutes.
1: was really interesting because it was such a kind character, but then there was some. I mean, I don't, I guess it's, I don't have to worry about it's spoiling at this ago, point, yeah, but here. like <laughs> there was some treacherous stuff happening, uh-huh. some lecherous stuff, I would uh-huh. say, perhaps.
2: lascivious. I was at craft service on that show and Sarah Watson, who's one of the writer's producers, she was taking a gander at the, at the crafty table and she's like, <laughs> she said something. Like, I said something and she's like, oh, well, Bob Little's been very divisive. He's a bit of a scumbag. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs>
0: what are you talking about? And she's
2: like, yeah, like he shouldn't be taking advantage of Amber. Mm. I was like, see, taking advantage uh-huh. of Amber? Uh-huh. Like, like, Amber's like nearly 20 some odd years old. He's like <laughs> well, 27. There we go.
0: Uh-huh.
2: This is <laughs> it was totally, I saw it differently. You had yeah, to see it differently
1: because different. you were playing him. Yeah. That's but what a good actor does. That's right. Yeah.
0: I would have tried to convince them to make me not gross because <laughs> my friends' <laughs> ego would have been like, wait, do, do I have to date? Someone, can I date someone older?
2: <laughs> it was such a good storyline, though. That show, though, for people who were on it, I mean, my God. I had worked with that boom operator. You know the big boom operator?
0: Dingles, I mimic him all the time. Ron, Big Ron, Big Ron. But
2: big Ron. So I did a movie with Big Ron in Chicago in 2000 always remembered him
0: joy and i were obsessed with his outside the show life because he would go on vacation down to mexico and he's a beautiful piano player and he wears a speedo and he's a fucking beast and i'm like can you imagine walking on the sand The, the piano's on the sand where he stayed and seeing big ron tickle the ivory
2: in a speedo
0: who's not knocked out cold by that
2: He's such a great character, and I have no comment on that image. It's just uh, it's it's exactly as exotic as you say it is. I love Ron. Oh my God, do I love Big him. Ron. Dingles? Dingles. But he's like he's like six African American, great basketball player of just muscle. Yeah, muscle. yeah. And he used to have his monitor like on a um, harmonica devo- like a holding device, so he could watch the monitor in front of mm. him and hold the boom. But yeah. he would. He told me he's like talk. He's like tuck. I've had the same check every week, every week to the dollar for six years on the show because the hours you were like in at like 8 a.m. and out at 3. What a plush gig you guys had for that oh, period of time.
0: And it'll never get as good. That's why I haven't wanted to act beautiful. since. <laughs> I'm like, wait, this is way too long. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. We are supported by Do you recognize the tune? MeUndies. MeUndies, bingo! We are supported by MeUndies. Summer is coming, and for many of us, it's the season of discomfort. It's hot out, and if you could sit around in just your underwear, you would. Well, MeUndies wants to make this the summer of comfort, and they want you to know that if you want to sit around in your underwear, that's absolutely allowed. Get comfortable and express yourself this summer with undies in classic and bold colors in fun and adventurous prints. So I have these awesome Yoda ones. They're so cute. I just love it. I live for that first put on. I get so excited for that initial inaugural voyage in your MeUndies. It's fun. MeUndies has a great offer for arm cherries. For any first-time purchasers, you can get 15% off and free shipping. MeUndies also has their problem-free philosophy. If you're not satisfied with any product for any reason, they'll refund or exchange it. No caveats, no questions. MeUndies makes it easy to match, too. You can match your bottom half to your better half or halves. Yes, you can match your friends, too. MeUndies helps you find matching pairs in a style and color or print of undies that's right for you and your boo. Because who doesn't love a secret twinning moment? To get your 15% off your first order and free shipping, go to MeUndies.com slash Dax. That's MeUndies.com slash Dax. We are supported by Way, spelt in the most interesting way, Monica. Mm -hmm. O-U-A-I, which spells way.
1: Yeah, it's an incredible hair product line.
0: Well, there's nothing more refreshing than hitting the reset button once in a while. If your hair is a little overdue for the same treatment, it's time for the Clarifying Detox Shampoo from Whey. And I got to tell you, I don't normally wear product in my hair, but when I'm shooting, I use a little product, a little bit of wax. And to get it out, I'm using Detox Shampoo nice from Whey. And it has it feeling brand new healthy. Reset your hair and scalp with the Clarifying Detox Shampoo from Whey once a week to neutralize product buildup. That's what I was experiencing. Oil, dirt, hard water from your hair and scalp without stripping away moisture. That's the key. Way was created by celebrity hairstylist Jen Atkin to create the first socially connected hair care brand. Explore their full collection of cruelty, sulfate, and paraben free hair care, body, and fragrance products. When you're ready to go undo some damage, hit the reset button with the Way. Detox shampoo. Go to theway.com. T H E O U A I dot and use code Dax to get 15% off your entire purchase. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot Code Dax.
2: I think a lot of good things are happening in your life. You got a great wife. You got I great feel kids. very lucky. Killer Podcast. Yep. Monica. You got Monica. Monica, are you Indian? What's your ethnic yeah, background? Yeah, yes. You are, because my wife is Indian. <gasps> oh! Oh yeah. my. I'm Jewish and Irish Catholic. My wife, her mother is is Punjabi, but in Hindu, and her father is Gujarati from oh. Kenya. Oh! Muslim. Okay. So I've wow. got, my kids have got all four religions pulsating through their bodies.
1: Let oh, that's ask. awesome. Always,
2: we just wrote this letter to a friend of ours to help us apply to preschool. Mm. And one of the biggest parts about you know, that we talked about was wanting to have our children be proud of their culture and to be in an environment where they were inspired to talk about their culture and to be curious and excited to learn about other people's culture. And I want them to be proud of being Indian. Yeah. I want them to not be made fun of for it. My wife was, like, kind of made fun of, like, a little bit. She did a lot of her education in the UK. And are my kids only half? Do they only have half of the right to claim some of the victim kind of conversation that we're having Mm. yeah the marginalized part yeah
1: are they half marginalized yeah i get what you mean do my kids have the same right to kind of speak up against marginalization and they do it's when you start getting into this like I'm more of a victim than this person or I'm more of a victim. Like, that's a problem. And that's also just not helping anything or anyone. That's right. The very truth is your children are Indian and they get to speak on that experience. And also, I wonder, like, when did you guys get married or when did you meet her?
2: We got married in 2012 and we were dating for like two years before that.
1: So have any of your ideas changed since meeting her like about race or in general because Dax has had since meeting me I think
0: I've changed a few major things after becoming really good friends with Monica really yeah I used to make an argument that comedically you can't section out who's allowed to make fun of who that just comedically humans get to make fun of humans and if I can do an Irish accent I'm gonna do that and if I can do a German accent I'm gonna do that And if I can do an Indian accent I'm gonna do that that used to be my position I have seen the light, and I do not hold that position anymore. For the realization that when I do the German accent, there isn't a German kid in suburban Georgia being pointed out and made fun of and alienated.
1: Yeah, you know? there's not enough representation of these. Yeah, if the country was half groups.
0: Indian, I probably could. Yeah, do that, you absolutely you know? could. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, you when you know better, you do better.
1: That's right. Oh,
0: yeah. So now yeah I've done that. I've also got to see really firsthand and you probably have been too being married to an Indian gal is that how often people of color are put in this fucking annoying situation where someone else says something stupid then they realize that they said something stupid then they apologize then they feel really bad. then the person of color has to start fucking comforting this person and telling them it's not a big deal and making you know trying to sacrifice their feelings that part I've seen ad nauseam and I would blow my head off if I had to do that.
2: Well, I think as a country, we've done a lot better in the past decade about these sorts of conversations. And I think we, I hope we've evolved a lot more. I also know that really good people can make certain what we now know of as mistakes. Oh yeah. And should not be held. Like I have somebody I've been working with who's been using Jew. Okay. As like a common thing. And- Could you give me an example? Well, hey, mom, why can't you sell the chairs? What kind of a Jew are you? Okay.
0: Oh. Okay. That's very specifically playing yeah. on the stereotype that Jewish people are cheap. Yeah.
2: I'm like, yo, that is a cra- I can't believe, no. and, sh- and the person knows I'm Jewish. and I'm like, how, I can't believe you could say this. Yeah. 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 But they're not anti-Semites. They just don't know any better. And I'm not going to say that I wouldn't have a conversation about it. Try yeah. to help somebody get into it. But I just feel like we've gotten very cancel-y culture about this yeah, sort yeah. of stuff. I agree with you. We're on the
0: same page with that. I agree that some people have never grown up around anybody else. Now, if I know and I you keep doing better, it. You know better, do better. Yes. It's about how you respond to it. But also, I just want to point out one other thing. And this is where I've been delusional too is, sure, you, Jonathan Tucker, can hear the guy say, Jew, and you have some response to that. You don't like it, but whatever. You're also not a disempowered person hearing it in that moment. So if you hear that and the guy's a cop and you're a fucking hasid, there's all these dynamics. So like, I've often been wrong because I forget that, yeah, I'm fucking 6'2", and if the shit hits the fan, I'm ready to go. Like, Of course I'm not as threatened by this thing that should be offending me. So that's also relevant.
2: So let me tell you, I can give you my wife's story in, in Boston at, when she met some friends of ours in Charlestown, some townies. They said, so uh, what's your last name? She goes, it's Ahmed. He goes, Ahmed. Oh, so what do the Ahmeds do? Well, my father is, um, he's a writer, he's a, and my mother's a, a journalist. He's like, no, no, no. Like, the Patel cartel runs the corner stores. The oh, Singhs wow. run the taxi cabs. What are the do the Ahmeds do? No racism, by the way, at yeah, just all. just your game. But, like, totally crazy to be saying out loud in a community that definitely does not have a history, a positive <laughs> history with people of color. But they're basically asking, like, what's your hustle, right? Like, what's yeah. the family hustle? That's exactly right. I just think it's all a little bit more complicated. My biggest fear in the world is, like, being misinterpreted. That's my biggest, that's like my Achilles heel. It's like, I, if if I say something and it offended you and I didn't mean it to offend you, like, it kills me,
0: kills sure. me. Sure, but then it gets pointed out and you go, oh my God, okay, I didn't even realize that. And then everyone's good. I don't think anyone's asking for something beyond that. Well, some people are. Some people want to destroy other humans, that's for sure.
2: Like, I want to be sensitive. If you say, I don't see color, I don't see skin that's all of a sudden, that's like a racist sure. thing to say. Yeah. Whereas that's what we were trying to teach everybody <laughs> yeah, yeah, three yeah. years ago. Yeah, yeah, And, And I don't have any of the right answers. I just know that we have gone really far in one direction. Oh, by the way, the people who have the microphone right now, it's critical that they do. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: One last thing. The idea that like three years ago we said don't see color. And now it's like, you can't be colorblind. It's so true. There's so many ups and downs. A pendulum swings back and forth. It's like, where are we? What do we do? But I I would say to that, yeah, it's frustrating, but like, maybe just understand that you got to be a little bit flexible because these minority groups have always had to be flexible. <laughs> always, always, totally. always from the get go. So, you know, let's just ride the wave a, a bit.
2: My point is, is like if you're not going to do an Indian accent Dax now, yeah. good. Yeah. Don't do yeah. it when there's an Indian person in the room. Don't do it when there's an Indian person yeah. not oh, in the room. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's where I'm saying. Like, yeah, if yeah you yeah. know what your moral certitude is, stick to it, regardless of who's around.
0: Yes. In fact, the only way I would possibly do it would be in front of Monica, actually. I would feel worse right, 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 if right, I did right, it. Right, right, right. Yeah, like, of course. It'd be racist. Yeah. No. It would be like, oh, is this the one time like I'm retelling the story and this is how it sounded and is that worth it and whatever. <laughs> I'd still have to think it through. But dude, uh, I,
2: these are conversations are really important to be having. Oh, Definitely. yeah, yeah,
0: I agree. I agree. Jonathan, you are so radical. I'm so glad you, you are in this I love Cadillac. You and really, when you get back, let's make a real effort The pump. <laughs> I appreciate, I gotta tell
2: you, man, it's like, it's such a thrill to be on here with you. And what I don't know if you know, is just how much like your personal journey has been inspiring to so many people. A lot of times, you know, when we're in these positions where our journeys are a little bit more public and you've been so honest about it, you're just never going to know the impact and the influence that you have on people. I mean, you see it a bit on an Instagram, like DMs, where people will tell you how challenged they've been and what you've done for them positively. But the extent of what you're doing, having these transparent conversations and sharing your story. You're just never going to never gonna fully appreciate what good it's doing in the world. And from somebody who's heard it a lot from a lot of different people about you, I just wanted to share my gratitude.
0: Oh, thank you, Tucker. Well, we Truly. love each other. I think we both have major crushes on each other. Is that fair to say? Monica, I think it's fair to say. <laughs> Lots right. of love, guys. All right, Tucker. Thanks Bye. for having me. Be a good, Bye brother.
2: <laughs> thank you for having
1: me.
0: And now my favorite part of the show, the fact check with my soulmate, Monica Padman.
1: Johnny Appleseed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Johnny Tucker Appleseed. Isn't there a movie called Jonathan Tucker Must Die? die yeah. Yeah, so every time to- – I think I'm saying his name wrong because I keep thinking, oh, I'm getting it confused with the movie. But I'm not. His name's Jonathan Tucker, but I don't want him to die.
0: Also, I'm having a lot of confusion around that topic, Jonathan Tucker Must Die, because I want to say it's based on a book written by a guy who might maybe turn out to be kind of crappy – It's John Tucker Must Die. Oh, John John Tucker. Tucker Must Die. Yeah, You're thinking of John Tucker Motherfucker, which is also a great movie.
1: No, I'm thinking of Jonathan Tucker Must Die, but it's called John Tucker Must Die. Yeah. But that's still short for Jonathan, so it's still right. still a
0: little confusing. Are you thinking of I Hope They Serve Beer in Hell? Yes. Who's that? Is that John Tucker? That is Tucker Max, isn't it? Oh, okay. That was my confusion. All right, so just forget all that about Jonathan Tucker and Tucker Max and Pucker Pucker up. Yeah.
1: Well, that was confusing and we solved nothing. Uh, t- I I had a thought today.
0: Oh, I love when you have thoughts.
1: I had a breakthrough revelation.
0: Oh my god. An epiphany?
1: I would call it an epiphany.
0: Oh my god, what happened?
1: I think most mugs are left handed mugs.
0: <laughs> i really do well
1: I, and i'm upset by it but i think it's true because you know i'm i have a ob- mug obsession
0: i love your mug obsession you yeah. just got a beautiful one from a certain hotel we're not allowed to say because you probably shouldn't have been there
1: i didn't know that <laughs> i didn't
0: know that uh, but i told you
1: you told me after yeah i did after i already bought a mug it was from too there.
0: late you should go return it
1: I can't. I've drank out of it, and I love it. Oh, Okay, great. <laughs> I guess there's a hotel in Los Angeles that. Well, we can I shouldn't just say, it, yeah. At.
0: I don't even know if he still owns it. That's a good question. Oh. I can tell the history of it. Can though. Can you
1: please t- look up if he still owns it? Because then I can go there
0: guilt free. Yeah. It, l- the point is, is there was a moment where the Sultan of Brunei, yep. In addition to owning the Dorchester in London, he bought the Beverly Hills Hotel, mm-hmm. a, a landmark. Well, the most celebrated hotel in town.
1: Very iconic.
0: Incredibly very iconic. Very
1: novel and proprietary.
0: Yes. And then that wasn't a problem in and of itself. But at some point, I want to say maybe in 2010 or something, he decreed Sharia law Yeah, in Brunei. Yeah. And then Bad. it became a very protested hotel.
1: Yeah. Understandably.
0: We don't know if it's owned still by the salt Well, can you look? Google well, says it is. But, okay. Well, it well. says the Dorchester Collection owns it, mm. which is... His company. Still? Mm. Owned by the Brunei Investment Agency. Okay. Okay, That sounds like, yes. Have they gotten rid of Sharia law? Because maybe they got rid of Sharia law, and that clears up the whole thing. Is Brunei still under Sharia law? That would be my search. Yeah. In May 2019, it says Brunei backs away from death penalty. Oh. Brunei. Okay. Okay.
1: Brunei. Is no longer under Sharia law.
0: Or they've backed away from the death penalty. Still,
1: it was bad that- oh,
0: The Sultan of Brunei.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, mm. boy. Okay, listen.
0: So you had this thought. I
1: went to the Beverly Hills Hotel. I yeah. did not know this- it was a highly protested hotel. I bought a mug there because it was so cute, pink. Beautiful. It says the Beverly Hills on it in oh. white letters, carved, carved in.
0: Diagonally, in cursive. That's right. It looks very much like Beverly Hills Cop's font. Yeah. Which we started thinking, did they use the font from Beverly Hills Hotel? Exactly. And then we thought, do we have to protest that movie?
1: Right. I've never seen it, so it's fine. <laughs> okay, you already um, protesting. Yeah. So I have that mug and I've been realizing that anywhere I go, like when we went to the Four Seasons in Hawaii, I bought a mug there too. Yeah. And I got that Starbucks mug. I just love mugs. You
0: love mugs so much.
1: They make me feel safe. Yeah. And I'm realizing that so many of them if they only have writing on one side, it is a left-handed mug, and I don't like. Well, it.
0: hold on though. This is where you and I we need to talk about this. Okay. So, is it your opinion that the writing on the mug should be facing the drinker or out to the world?
1: We've discussed this, and we can revisit. Yeah. To the world.
0: Right. It I should agree. be to the world. I agree.
1: Oh, okay. Then unless
0: yeah. you live with by yourself and you don't. Well,
1: I live by myself, and I'm. And still you're not to taking the these mugs
0: out to the world either. I would want it to face me then. No. I'd want to read the Beverly Hills selfish. every time. But Don't you want to read that Beverly Hills thing? Why, why even care? Who cares what it says then if you're not going to ever look at it? You
1: read it when you take it out of the cabinet and you're oh. like, oh, it's cute. I'm picking this out. Okay. And then it's for the world to see.
0: Do you know what's really funny? Mm-hmm. Is as you were talking about how much you love mugs, I immediately in my head was like, I got to buy her the most expensive mug that's in the world. Which is what? And, and then Our I, mug. I well, exactly. <laughs> I was imagining myself Googling most expensive <laughs> mug to get you one. And I was thinking, ours has to be the most expensive <laughs> mug in the world. It- Unless there's like Fabergé mugs, I don't know Ooh. about Ooh. <laughs> Dingles. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs>
1: um, anyway, so this is heartbreaking, yeah. and I I tried it
0: with the other hand.
1: Yeah, like I was like, oh, is there a world in which that's actually. You're supposed to do that. Like, if you're right-handed, uh-huh. you should have it in your left hand because your right hand can be free to, like, oh, right. write or uh, draw yeah. or, or. Uh, open a door. Exactly. Brush your teeth. So I was like, okay, maybe they've thought this through. Mm-hmm. So I held it in my left hand and I was driving.
0: Oh, I'm scared for this.
1: And it didn't go Did you spill well.
0: Spill it all over your nice car. No. Okay. No. Good. little no, bit. No. Tiny bit. <laughs> no. Is there green matcha slime all over your <laughs> no your tan interior?
1: Nope. And then I was like, this isn't easy still. So then I moved it into my right hand where it belongs. And, uh-huh. and, it, and that's where it belongs. It was easy. Yeah.
0: No more spills.
1: And I had to look at it. It wasn't facing the world. And I was sad.
0: I would want to look at it, but... We don't agree on we that. We have different opinions. We on do. That. Are right-handed people maybe supposed to be using their left hand to drink a mug if they're like writing? That's, That's what exactly I, what he just.
1: Rob, <laughs> what are you doing over there? I'm
0: looking up expensive mugs. Oh <laughs> my god!
1: That's what I just said. Anywho, all right. So that was my revelation this morning. Uh,
0: impressive, Thank impressive you. revelation. Thank you. Yeah.
1: Um, it came to me while I was organizing. A lot of my revelations come while I'm organizing.
0: Yeah, those little menial tasks, those repetitive menial tasks can be very fertile ground for creativity. Yeah. Mine was riding the riding lawnmower. Mm. It requires just enough of your attention yeah. that it somehow lets your mind wander in a very special way. What
1: what kind of attention does it require? Because you have to turn it and stuff?
0: You have to stay on the line perfectly mm. so that you're not just randomly cutting, you know, a path every time you turn. So oh, you've got to keep it. that front wheel on the previous wheel mark. Oh. And then you are got to go wide and turn. Yeah, so there's stuff happening. You're listening. You don't want to go drive over a golf ball oh, or sure. uh, someone's sandals, you know. There's, there's just enough stuff going on. I think that's why people, like, have great ideas. You hear a lot of songwriters say they, they get great ideas either uh, driving their cart on the road, in the shower, very commonplace. Because, mm-hmm. again, you're doing this repetitive. You don't really need to think about it, but you need to think about it enough. Sure. Yeah.
1: True. Um, You don't because you don't take showers much. Do you want to tell people about that?
0: I mean, <laughs> it's, it's not the... The, the most important info I want up there okay we my, don't have to no let's let's so <laughs> well, but, it's but actually, you have it's to do impressive I'll well I was gonna say I, if I lay it out it'll sound like horse shit
1: okay so you take a shower like every couple days right yeah yeah mm-hmm. and you wash your hair like once every two months
0: no no no. Oh. Every time I shower, oh. but I shower once every three days. Okay, for being okay. honest. Okay. Oh my god, I can't believe I'm admitting this.
1: That's a, but I'm telling you, it's actually impressive because you never smell and you work out.
0: Thank you. So what I wanted to say was like, I don't have to shower because I don't smell. You I'm don't. not a sweater. I don't yeah. sweat and I, and I don't smell, uh, and my hair is dry. It'll never get oily. It would take me like ten days of not washing my hair before it'd be oily. So, it's kind of just ceremonial if I get in there and do it. I don't yeah. really and you think, think there's...
1: it gives you dry skin. I
0: do. I think it... soap dries out your skin. Yeah. And so, I only wash my armpits and my dick, balls, and anus. I don't wash right, my chest right. and my arms and my legs just for the sake <laughs> of this. I'm cleaning all the areas that could be exposed okay, 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 to okay. do this or <laughs> extreme sweat. Okay. And for that, for me, that's only my armpits and my penis, my testicles, my perineum, my anus, and my butt crack. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, what's funny is on In this. And your armpits. I said that. I started there. I okay. started with well, armpits. No one remembered that. Oh, all the <laughs> okay. Well, um, so <laughs> I was just on the road and I bring with me my shampoo I like to use. And. Every time I have the same experience. So I, I showered twice on this trip that I was just gone, which mm-hmm. is kind of abnormal for me. Normally, I would have just showered in the middle of it.
1: Okay, yeah, because you were only gone a couple days.
0: Yeah, four days. <laughs> I ended up showering twice. And both times I, I thought, why do I think this is such a pain in the neck? It's not. But in my head, because I shower at night. Mm-hmm. So I'm laying in bed. I'm always about to do something. Like, oh, I finally get to watch that show. Oh. It's always like. It's always impeding on my time, quote, my time when I get to turn on my iPacks, yeah. my baby boy, and watch some good programming. Yeah. And I don't want to sacrifice that for some other thing. But every time I do it, it's so much quicker than I think it's gonna be. And both times when I was getting in the shower, I was like, why don't I just do this more?
1: Well, also, have you tried a morning shower?
0: That's how I always showered in the past. Uh-huh. But what broke me of that is acting ha- having um product in my hair and makeup on now oh, l- now if us. i'm filming i generally shower every night like i'm blessed this mess i showered every night because i had to get the like hairspray and shit out of my uh, hair yeah, i couldn't yeah. sleep in hairspray so this i just want to preface it by saying that like when i have hair product in and shit i shower every night but yeah. if i'm just living you know just taking it easy yeah i no Every couple of days, every three days, I you know it's it's gross.
1: No, it's not, because you don't smell and it's fine. And you're right, maybe it'll dry out your skin. Maybe you shouldn't, but I just mean the the I'm not. I don't think you should shower more. But the days you do shower, maybe you should shower in the morning uh-huh. so you don't feel like mm. it's impeding on anything.
0: But the and, mornings and, always rush too.
1: A morning shower is nice because you get your day. You feel fresh.
0: I like it. I'm not against it. My thing is. When I wake up, I'm praying to wake up a half hour before I have to get involved with the kids so that I can journal. That's like number yeah. one. And then by the time you get the fucking kids on the computer and all that crap, now I'm always like, oh, I gotta start researching this person right now because we're about to, whatever. It doesn't seem like Well, why don't like you just shower long? on
1: the days we don't record? Well,
0: okay, great.
1: Since you only have to shower once or twice a week.
0: I'm well, not. Ex- could- I'm not excited for the response to this.
1: <laughs> I would only have said it if it wasn't a problem, it's not a problem. Okay. I promise. I would tell you if I was like, I think.
0: Yeah, you, you smell like B.O. We wouldn't mind saying that to each other, like your pit smell. I can smell your pits. Oh, I'm going to add something to this that I do think is relevant because before I had this, I did shower way more because I'm pretty neurotic about my butthole. So I have a toilet. That has a, a tushy. So I, I spray my asshole with water every morning after I crap, and it gets a thorough cleaning. Yeah. If I didn't have that, I would have to shower more because there's makes no sense. way I could go without washing my butt with water.
1: That makes sense. Yeah. Oh, or save toilet paper and Hello shower. Bello wipes.
0: Hello I Bello, use those too. They're wonderful. I love them. Hello Bello. Great, great wipes. It really, they are the best. They are they're the best. They're truly the best. And
1: I do use them. And they're like 40%
0: cheaper than the competing brand
1: you know what i do like a lot about hella bella (laughs) wipes this isn't an ad but it kind of is because
0: i'm here yeah Yeah. but
1: it's not the hella bella wipes yeah um when you pull it out Mm -hmm. it's not attached Mm -hmm. i love that normally you pull out a wipe and there's like a hundred that come out and you have to like shove it back in it's
0: so annoying
1: yeah but hella bella they
0: come out man Boom, individual, wipe, wipe. That's perfect. Yeah, I guess that would be another option I would employ if I didn't have water access to my bottom.
1: Yeah. Mm. Anywho, I just thought people might want to know about your
0: routines. How often do you shower?
1: I shower every day unless I randomly skip a day. It's not like I have a routine of every other day. It's that I shower every day, but sometimes I skip.
0: Right. I definitely feel like at least one day a week you skip, right?
1: I would say most weeks I don't skip. Okay. But some days I do. But I only wash my hair.
0: Once every three days?
1: Or more or more. Like right. once a five days, probably. Okay. Cause that is about stripping oils out.
0: Yeah. I believe this your skin's the same personally.
1: I do have dry, dry skin. I
0: know. That's what I'm telling but you. But I also Also you have like dry skin on your legs.
1: Bad. It's because
0: you wash your legs. Of course I do. Don't fucking wash your Bro, legs. do you
1: wash your legs?
0: I do. Okay. Oh, my God, you yeah. guys, what what's getting on your legs? You wear pants. <laughs> you're, you're, well, I might, also you're wear the-
1: shorts sometimes.
0: But, but in general, let's take a winter month. You okay. wear pants. Yeah. Nothing's getting on your skin that water and then when you towel off won't handle.
1: Yeah, but it's just a matter of like I wanted to smell good. Good, like I don't know. My legs I need it don't to be smell clean. bad. I, to be I clean. haven't had
0: soap on my legs in a decade, and they smell like I get skin. lots
1: of compliments on my smell.
0: Yeah, but that's your a, hair.
1: Well, no, it's because I have a very gorgeous soap.
0: Okay, but does anyone smelled your legs and said you smell gorgeous? Not yet. Right. I just as an experiment. What if you tried not washing your legs? Just give me thirty days. <laughs> That's all I'm asking from you. 30 fucking days.
1: <laughs> wait, 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 wait. 30 days of not washing, washing your my legs. legs. Not, That's all I'm
0: asking. Not. And let's see where the moisture level is at the end of that 30 days. What are you possibly well, well, also, risking?
1: Okay. Can I tell you something? Yeah. Just relax. I also have to shave my legs. You don't. So that is a difference. I'm not going to shave and then not use soap. You have to use a lather to shave. So either you use soap or a shaving cream.
0: Put air conditioner on it.
1: Well, that's going to clean it. It's still soap.
0: Conditioner's not soap. What are you talking about? Moisturizing conditioner. It's you It's still lather.
1: cleansing. It's still cleansing. Anyway. You, I, won't, you won't do it. I'm not going to do it. Okay. No. I, I care about cleaning my legs Yeah. and my arms.
0: Yeah and you have and my and body rest, and what you about deal my? you deal with dry skin as a result of it I do yeah
1: well we don't know if it's as a result of it
0: and we'll never know cuz you won't go 30 days without I
1: can't believe you're now you're acting like I'm doing something wrong somehow you by are. not by cleaning my body every day. Uh,
0: yes and what I'm telling you is that humans as an animal species were not designed to have soap applied to their epidermis once a day and the result Excellent. of that is dry, chalky skin.
1: Well, and they also probably had rashes and gross stuff everywhere. Well. One time when I was little.
0: Oh, we're going to find out the trauma that caused this.
1: Okay. No trauma caused taking a shower with soap. Okay. That's normal.
0: We'll find out. I don't out. want you
1: to tell, act like people are doing something wrong just because you shower once every three days. I. They're doing normal stuff.
0: I uh, All I'm saying is that people could try as an experiment, risk-free, money-free, to try not soaping their bodies up for a month and evaluating if, A, they smelt differently, and, B, if their skin wasn't much softer and less dry. That's not a crazy request.
1: Well, it is a crazy request. I don't think people need to feel like they need to do that for you.
0: It's not for me, it's for them. I'm not the one that deals (laughs) with their dry skin.
1: That's like what a cult leader says. They turn the tables so all of a sudden. Anyway, I was younger and my mom was like, what's on your neck? Uh Uh-oh. And it was in my neck crease, which I still have and I hate. Okay. I, I had it back then too. And she was like, it's black. And she thought, It was a bruise or something, and turns out it was dirt.
0: Okay. Okay? So that's where it—
1: So you have to wash your neck.
0: With water. You can wash it with water and that the the dirt would have been gone.
1: No. Yes. I washed—I at least washed with water.
0: Apparently not because you had a big clump of dirt in your neck. (laughs) You can't spray your neck with water and have a clump of dirt sitting yeah, there afterwards. So if
1: you have a crease, you have to get in there. Sorry, you don't have a crease. You can't I had understand. mine
0: removed when I was a child.
1: I wish I could get mine removed so bad. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so it's covered in dirt, and now I'm very diligent about yeah. my neck. But also, you have to take really good moisturizing care of that area too.
0: Mm-hmm. Just keeping your skin moist is really advised. It is. Yeah.
1: It is. Okay, Jonathan.
0: Yeah, JT. <laughs> JT Thomas. Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor, Taylor Thomas. Thomas. What,
1: Jonathan Tucker Thomas.
0: Jonathan Tucker Thomas. Oh my
1: God. What if his middle name's Thomas? Jonathan Thomas Tucker.
0: Oh my God. Simulation.
1: Okay, the horror movie that he and Kristen shot in Romania was called Pulse. Pulse. And who produced that movie? He thought maybe it was the wine scenes. The wine scene company was a producer on that with other ones too. Is the TCC the oldest country club in America. No. Oh. The country club, TCC, located in <laughs> Brookline, Massachusetts, is one of the oldest country clubs in the United States. It holds an important place in golf history as it is one of the five charter clubs that founded the United States Golf Association mm. and has hosted numerous USGA tournaments, including the 1913 US Open. Although the club has 1,300 members, it is known for its Exclusivity. Mm. Oh, I want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> that's one place that's limited a dish that I could care less about.
0: Good, good, good. Yeah. yeah. I got a chip on my shoulder, of course. Of about, course. Yeah, of course. yeah. But anyone who's having a good time there, God bless sure. you.
1: Well, I think I have a trauma about it because, oh, maybe that's not a country club. In Marina del Rey, there's some sort of country club. And when I babysat for these kids who lived there... One time, I had to take them there, and they had tennis lessons, and then my car was towed.
0: Oh, my god!
1: And I had to get to the tow place with no car seats. We had to walk there. It was a nightmare.
0: Oof. Stressful day. Very. What kind of stress would you prefer? Like, you've had entry-level job stress, and you've had, like, high-level job stress. Because I think white-collar people kind of tell themselves— Yeah, I don't swing a hammer all day long, but the amount of stress I'm under, Mm. and and maybe they're right, I don't know. But what would would you say? Hmm,
1: That's a good question. I mean, all the the babysitting jobs have its own level of stress because you're caring for somebody else's children. So Mm. it has, to me, a very high weight of stress, Mm -hmm. more than something I'm doing on my own. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's... More – I don't think this is answering it properly, but I am definitely more stressed in jobs where I'm serving somebody else. Mm -hmm. If it's me, I'm definitely stressed because it's on me. Yeah. But I don't have an emotional layer of like that person. Failing somebody.
0: Yeah, you would just be failing yourself. Yeah, which
1: I do all day. Every time there's dirt in my neck, it's a failure. (laughs) I once I told Delta of course and Lincoln about my dirt neck. Oh, okay. And so I think I instilled in them that they got to wash their neck a lot. Oh. Yeah, I passed that on.
0: They're not listening to you cuz yes, they are. They don't wash You think I'm bad?
1: They do. I think Lincoln even brought it up again to me.
0: We used to bathe them every single night yeah. as part of the bedtime routine. Yeah. And at some point that stopped and it, and now there's quite often a conversation between Chris and I. I was like, shit, what, have you bathed the kids lately? Because I'll just be going in my head like, well, I haven't sat in on a bath in, in, a in a week. In a while. And she'll go, oh, I thought you, well, I guess it's been.
1: Oh, yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah.
0: It goes to show the power of habit. Yeah. Because that when it was part of bedtime routine, it was unmissed. It was signaling, here we go.
1: Yeah. But when they are in the bath, I guarantee you the neck is addressed.
0: You think so? Yes.
1: Okay, is the oldest racetrack in Saratoga Springs. Um,
0: you had a lot of oldest claims, huh? Yeah. Huh.
1: Not true.
0: Okay. Okay. All right. Well, uh, these things happen.
1: Saratoga Racecourse opened in 1863. It is often considered to be the oldest major sporting venue of any kind in the country, mm. but it is actually the fourth oldest racetrack in the United States. Uh-oh. After third oldest, Pleasant Town Fairgrounds Racetrack, second oldest, Fairgrounds Racecourse, and oldest, Freehold Raceway.
0: All right. So he's getting really close to these. He is. You know? He's, in he's like top. in the top. Yeah, he should just, he can even say top five.
1: So easy to add just one of. Uh-huh, yeah. And then you're in the clear. Yeah. And I thought maybe it was where they shot Ocean's Eleven, this scene in Ocean's 11
0: Mm-hmm. That's a dog track, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Saul is at... The dog track. Yeah. But then later in the movie, they're in the um, heist part at this point. Mm-hmm. And he's walking in the hotel and someone recognizes him and says, Saul, Saul. Oh, but yeah. his name is something else. Yeah. And he, they say, Saul, it's blah, blah, blah from Saratoga. uh
0: uh-huh. so, Full circle. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I wonder if it has
0: the oldest dog racing track in the world. Saratoga? I, I mean, I don't know where dog racing is popular yeah. other than Florida. Yeah.
1: I've never been to one. I have. You have? Mm-hmm. Is it fun? Is yeah. it abuse?
0: I think what ends up, well, dogs love chasing shit. So that the race itself I don't think is abuse. But I do think there might be some questionable practices to get the dogs ready to race. I see. Yeah. There was always this rumor that they fed them gunpowder. That was when I was a kid. That's got to be urban legend. But anyways, they probably aren't, you know.
1: Treated real nice
0: Right Kay. I don't know I don't know, ma'am <laughs> I don't know
1: I don't either We're not saying Because we don't know
0: We don't have a position Because we're ignorant On the whole f- sport
1: We are If
0: we can call it a sport Yeah, I don't like, Yeah, that man. might be Taking like a position
1: <laughs> <laughs> like All
0: right All right Love you Love
1: you